Well, good morning and welcome to Epic. My name is Tim Jones. I'm one of the pastors on staff. And as Chris said, this month is our mission trip month. And we had that team come back from Guatemala last night. If you see some people who are kind of walking around a little slow and stuff, it's not because they were on a mission trip. It's because they drank too much coffee, all right? And they're kind of coming off of that coffee trip. But no, actually, uh, they did an amazing job this past week. And we can't wait to hear about that in a couple of weeks. And as Chris mentioned, we've got a team in the Ukraine and then we also have a team that will be departing for Guatemala this Saturday. Now, usually during this month, we do a video series, uh, but instead we're going to do something a little bit different. Um, I'm going to kick off a three-part series based upon what you just saw, the I Am Second Multimedia um, movement that inspires people to live for God and to live for others. Now, if you're unfamiliar with this group, this group puts together uh, videos of people's stories, famous people such as actors and actresses, uh, musicians, coaches, business people, those who've been addicted to drugs, those who've been maybe abused, and many other stories as well. And these stories uh, give us insight to our typical struggles in everyday life. And these stories also uh, give us hope and they encourage us to find our, fulfill, our fulfillment in Jesus. And ultimately, these stories show us that when people put their faith in Jesus, that they can have their lives transformed. So in a moment, I'm going to be showing us a 10-minute clip of someone that you'll probably recognize uh, in just a bit, uh, and then I'll continue on with the rest of our message. Now, I love people's stories, uh, especially when those stories involve their lives being changed by God. When I hear people's stories, it demonstrates and it encourages me that God is alive and that he is personally working in their lives. And it's also amazing to see the intricate details that God takes to show them that he is real and that we can trust him. Now, for many of us, uh, as we go along in life, uh, we come upon some things that happen in our lives that cause us to doubt God or even uh, question or wonder if God is even real in our lives. Now, I know at times in my life, I've had moments where I've had something happen to me and I have felt that God was very distant. And it's very hard in those moments because in those moments, I'm not exactly sure or I haven't been sure what God was trying to do within my story. Now, as people, we have doubts. We have questions. And the way that we usually go about uh, answering those questions or doubts is that in those moments, we say, hey, when bad things happen and we can't find the answers, we say, well, how can God answer my doubts? Or what is he doing in my life? And so when we begin to ask those questions, uh, many of us, we want to believe, you know? We, there's something that in us that wants to believe that God is there for us. But yet there's something that holds us back. There's something within us that there's this interesting tension that we want to be drawn towards God, but at the same time, we're not exactly sure because there's something that's holding us back and keeping us from believing in him. Now, what do you do in those moments? What do you do in those moments when you have doubts about God? That's an important question. 
And the reason that that's an important question is for most of us, no matter what season that we're going through, no matter what season we're about to go into, no matter whether we are a Christ follower or no matter if we're someone who is investigating Christianity, um, we need to see or we need to know and understand what to do with doubt. Now, don't answer this out loud, but what do you do in those moments where you have doubts about God? What do you do in those moments when you simply do not believe him or believe that he exists? Now, today we're gonna to be checking out those questions and what holds us back. And I'm really uh, just encouraged that we're gonna be checking out uh, Scott Hamilton's story um, and see how his journey of faith kind of unfolds. Now, uh, when we check out his story, you're gonna see how God all of a sudden intervenes in certain moments of his life, which spoke volumes to him in some very tough spots. Now, if you're unfamiliar with Scott Hamilton, no, it's not Mark Hamilton, okay? He's not the guy from Star Wars or anything like that. Scott Hamilton is the Olympic gold medalist who dominated the sport of men's figure skating in the 80s and 90s for 16 years. I don't think people realize that. For 16 years, he dominated. And uh, before, all of a sudden, he had some things happen in his life. And so as we watch his story unfold, uh, we're also going to uh, check out another guy uh, who also wrestled with struggles and also wrestled with doubt as well. So we're going to watch Scott's story, and then I'm going to continue on with the rest of the message. You know, as we listen to Scott's story, we see that faith is a journey. And for most of us, when we run into our doubts and our questions, we think that they get us stuck in life, you know? When we come up against things that happen to us or when, we, uh, when things don't go our way, we often kind of put the brakes on and we stop in those moments instead of allowing them to help us to search and to look for hope. And I love Scott's story there, you know? I mean, here's a guy who went through so many different things and he could have allowed his doubt and his questions to stop him, what he was going through, but instead he allowed them to help him to search, search for strength, search for hope. I mean, when he lost his mother, you know, he came to realize that he needed a new strength, you know? And as he battled cancer and survived, uh, survived it, he asked the question of why, you know? And what's his purpose? And then when he met his future wife, he came to find that his strength could be potentially in Jesus. And as he started to date her, he went to church and found that Christianity is a faith of history that actually happened. And I love what he did at that moment. He started to study for himself, to check things out, and it continued to allow him to grow in his faith. And then when he battled that brain tumor, all of a sudden, he came to the point where he thought, you know what, for my strength, I'm going to trust Jesus. And when he prayed with his wife in the midst of doubts and questions, and he found at that moment that he could find strength in Jesus and for everything else that came his way in those moments. And he found that his doubts ultimately pushed him to search and find the answers that he was looking for. Now, when we come up against doubt and questions, when we go up against those things, often we think that it is an issue in our faith journeys. When we have questions and we have doubts, we are tempted to put the brakes on because we don't see how they can equate. We ask the questions, well, how can God answer my doubts? You know, what is he doing in my life? 
Well, maybe instead of looking at doubts and questions as an issue in our lives, maybe we need to give ourselves permission to look at them differently. Maybe for most of us, we need doubts in order to believe. And when we look at that, we accept that doubt is a natural part of our journey. Now, doubt doesn't throw God for a loop, and he doesn't want doubt to throw us for a loop as well. If we doubt, and it leads to questions, and questions lead to answers, and answers lead to acceptance, then doubt has done a good work. And so if we allow doubt to push us, to help us to search for answers, then we can see how God is personally working in our stories. Now, today I want to check out doubt. I want us to see how doubt can be a good thing. And to help us with that, I want us to check out a guy named Thomas who was a follower of Christ. And he wrestled with uh, doubts and questions. In fact, his nickname was Doubting Thomas. And so if you've heard that and say, where, where did that come from? It comes from being one of Jesus's followers in his inner circle, one of his disciples who had questions, who had doubts. And so let's examine his story as it will give us insight in how we can lay down our doubts, how he laid his doubts uh, down with God as well. So if you would turn to Mark, or I'm sorry, John uh, chapter 20, verse 24, and we'll put those up on the screens as well. Now, as you turn there, let me set the scene for us. So here's Jesus who has come back to life from the dead. And the first person to find out about this is Mary Magdalene. And so she rushes to go just, you know, she's sad. She doesn't know what's happened. Jesus has been dead. And when she arrives, he is risen from the dead. His tomb is empty. She goes back to the disciples and tells them. And so Peter and John, two of Jesus's main disciples, run to go see for themselves. And as they get there, they discover that the tomb is empty as well. So later that evening, they go back and huddle up with the disciples, and Thomas is not there, okay? He's not there amongst them. And so as they are talking behind closed doors, behind locked doors, because they were fearful that the Jewish religious leaders, that the Romans, that they would try to pin this on them or something, that, you know, how did this happen? Maybe they stole the body. So they are fearful. And all of a sudden, Jesus appears right there beside them. He is alive. He is back from the dead, and he has a conversation with them. And so one of the first things they do after that evening with Jesus is that they go and find Thomas, and tell, tell, they tell him what has happened. So that's where we're picking up. So let's see how Thomas responds, starting verse 24. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed Hebrew Jones, no, sorry, that's from another series, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands. Put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. Now you would think that after following Jesus for almost three years and seeing all the miracles and seeing all the healings, that when these 10 disciples, 10 of uh, Thomas's personal friends come to him and tell them what they have seen and what they have heard from the risen Jesus, that Thomas would be on board with it, but he's not. Now, we don't understand why Thomas wasn't there that first night with the disciples, but here's my gut. Here's what I think. 
I think Thomas was so devastated that Jesus had died. And from another portion of scripture, uh, it indicates that Thomas was a very loyal person. But when Jesus died, it was too much for Thomas. I mean, how could Jesus, who claimed to be God, died? And so I think Thomas was thinking, you know, I really want to believe, but everything that has happened, how can it be real? I mean, what is going on? So I think when Thomas gives the reply that he gives to the disciples and, and saying that he needs physical proof, I think it's very appropriate for Thomas. And at least he's honest with his doubt in front of others. And um, that's kind of like the first step of getting real with our doubts. Uh, because often, too many of us, we don't get honest with our doubts, you know? We kind of keep them to ourselves. We kind of remain isolated. And here's the thing, isolation never leads to truth. And isolation never leads to healing. Um, when we think about doubt, doubt is like being on one foot, okay? And poised to either take a step forward or kind of backward. And until we make this, this, this decision, this opportunity, this moment of choice to putting our foot down, you see, you kind of wobble. And eventually you're going to fall because being on one foot, being in doubt was never meant to be a permanent condition. And so many of you have doubts and you're wobbling to stay up. And my thing, and what God wants you to do, is to take a step forward with your doubt. Just one step. And allow him to work on your doubt instead of taking a step backwards. And so we'll see how this kind of unfolds. Let's see how God responds to Thomas, who was honest with his doubt. So verse 26, eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time, Thomas was with them. The doors were locked again, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. And Jesus said, hey, if Spider-Man can be an Avenger, so can I, all right? No, he didn't say that if you've seen Spider-Man, but <clears throat> he said, peace be with you. Now, could you imagine being in that locked room and all of a sudden Jesus appears, you know? I mean, we're not talking like he appeared as a ghost, as an apparition, or as a spirit. He had a body. He could be touched. He could eat with them. He could speak with them. And so there he is, and he does something in a familiar way. He gives them this greeting that he normally gives to them so that they would see that it was him, that he was real, the person that they had trusted. Now watch how personal Jesus gets with Thomas in this very powerful moment. Verse 27, then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. Look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Now this must have spoken volumes to Thomas. I mean, Jesus precisely repeats the words that Thomas had used in private with the disciples. Jesus says to him, put your finger here. Look at my hands. Put your hand on my wound in my side. And in that moment, 
This must have spoken to Thomas in exactly what he needed to see and what he needed to hear in that moment. He needed to see Jesus's physical wounds in his hands and in his side. And Jesus did not want Thomas to remain in his unbelief. Jesus didn't want Thomas to be permanently in his doubt. And he comes to Thomas in a very personal way. Now watch how this speaks volumes to Thomas. Watch how he responds, all right? In five simple words, watch the excitement that he all of a sudden declares to Jesus. Verse 28, he says, my Lord and my God. In that moment, he believes, he believes. In that moment, he chooses to believe. I love how Jesus came personally to Thomas because Thomas was honest with his doubt. He had taken a step forward. Now watch how Jesus responds because this gives insight in not only to Thomas' situation, but it gives insight into our situation as well. Then Jesus, in verse 29, then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Because some of us might be thinking, you know what? Hey, I would believe too if Jesus appeared to me in this moment. And, uh, but yet, when we look at all the people who were around Jesus before he died, many of them saw his miracles, many of them saw his healings, but yet did not believe. What Jesus is getting at here is this. I think he's saying, hey, I have proved myself by doing something that you will have no doubt who I am, and this is why you will have no doubt. There were hundreds of eyewitnesses to what Jesus had done. We have Thomas, we have the disciples, we have um, Paul, we have over 500 people who saw Jesus. They saw him die, they saw him come back to life. And the reason that Jesus came back to life is to show us that he had power over sin and over death and that he could forgive us of our sins if we put our faith in Jesus. And he came to erase all doubt of exactly who God is and how much he loves us. And so he didn't want Thomas to remain in doubt. He doesn't want you to remain in doubt. And so he wants us to let our doubts rest in him who came in history because he personally died for you. He personally came back to life for you. He wants to be in a personal relationship with us. And I love what Scott said. He said, as he was on his faith journey and he knew that he needed strength, he found his strength in Jesus. Jesus was there to guide him through every tough spot every single time. He was there for Scott. We just heard him. Scott's still alive. He was there for Thomas. And he wants to be there for us as well. So the question that just naturally comes to us that we've got to wrestle with is how do we take a step forward in dealing with our doubt, you know? Well, it begins with a conversation. That's it. It begins by speaking to Jesus and allowing him to know our doubts just like Thomas did as well. And he will hear us just as he heard Thomas as well. And now, 
Jesus isn't going to show up to us physically, but he will reach out to us in a very personal way that will dissolve our doubts and our questions and that we will know exactly that it is him who has shown up. And when that happens in that moment, just like Thomas, we also should give him, vocalize our belief in Jesus. And so if you're not a Christ follower, um, you know, and you're not ready to become a Christ follower, God understands that. Maybe for you, the first step is simply just to vocalize your doubts about God and ask him to come personally to, in your life to show you exactly who he is. And just like Scott, you know, Scott started to study for himself who Jesus is. So maybe for you, it's start to study. It's so that God can reach out to you in a very personal way instead of allowing your doubts and questions to hold you up. So maybe you just need to dive in, do the hard work, be able to vocalize your doubts with God and with others, and so that your doubts and questions don't hold you back and cause you to fall. For some of you, maybe you need to jump into Starting Point, which we offer that's going to come up in September, where it's a safe place to have a conversation about faith, where you can share your questions, where you can share your doubts, and you can sign up for that anytime. For those of you who are Christ followers, maybe you're struggling with something right now, just like Scott faced so many tough spots in his journey. Well, instead of retreating, don't. Often we retreat in those moments and we get isolated and by ourselves. So maybe some of you, you're going through a personal loss. Maybe some of you are going through a personal health issue. Maybe some of you are battling infertility, or maybe some of you are watching someone going through something devastating. Have you asked God, have you approached him as a father? Just like Scott said, have you said, God, would you come and comfort me? Ask him for comfort. Ask him for healing. Ask him for another child. Ask him for courage in those moments. Because God is our friend. He calls us his friend. And he wants to be consistently in our lives. And he wants us to constantly be talking to him. He wants to be in every activity that we're a part of. He wants to be in all of our conversation, all of our problems. He wants to be in all of our thoughts. And so we just simply, as we approach the day, we just say, God, you know what? Here's my new day. God, I trust you with my day. As one of those meetings or one of those problems come up uh, that you're thinking about in that morning, you just say, God, God, I need your help in this meeting. Would you help me to just find the right solution? Or maybe you're battling a decision and it just looks like a very tough decision. Just simply converse with him and say, God, would you help me in that decision? Or maybe you get home and you find out some bad news. Just in that moment, say, God, would you help bring comfort in this situation in that time? Because the key is, here's the key, the key to stop doubting and to start believing is by being in consistent communication with him. Let me say that again. The key to stop doubting and to start believing is by being in consistent communication with him. Because as we constantly talk to him, then it opens up our eyes to seeing what he is doing in our lives. That's what he wants for us. So in a moment, I'm going to close us in a word of prayer, and we're going to end with a song. 
And in that moment that I pray, it's your time to have a space, to have a carved out time to vocalize your doubts with God. And so if you are not a Christ follower, I want to encourage you to just pray to him, just silently, just say, you know what, Jesus, I've been on this foot and it has been very tough. And so I'm going to take a step. Here are my doubts. Would you meet them in a personal way? And I'll do the hard work. I'll start finding out more about you. And so would you reveal yourself to me? And so vocalize your doubts to him. Begin with that. For those of you who are Christ followers and maybe you're going through something tough, would you approach God as your father and as your friend? Some of you do that, but maybe there's something that you haven't been doing. And so maybe there's something you're going through. Would you vocalize your doubts? Would you vocalize what you're going through to your heavenly father who is your friend who wants to hear from you so that you can see how he will meet you where you're at? Now, as we all lay down our beliefs or as we lay down our doubts, we will begin to see how God is working in our lives and how he is always there, how he, is, how he always hears us and how he always will be there with us. So let's go ahead and pray and you vocalize those things to him. So Father, we just thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for stories like Mark. We thank you for people like Thomas who followed you and still had doubts and questions. But God, it is amazing when we speak those things to you, when we start a conversation with you, how it opens up our eyes to seeing what you are doing because you are working. And so, Father, I just pray right now for those who are here that they would vocalize their doubts to you in this moment. If they're going through something tough, that they would just speak those things to you. God, I pray that you would personally reach out to them in such a way that they will know that it is you and they, that they will be able to say, my Lord and my God, Thank you for meeting me where I needed to be met. We thank you who have done that for thousands and thousands of years. And you showed yourself to be true in history by coming back to life from the dead. So we thank you and we put our trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen.